This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. We've got lots to talk about on today's program. Later on, we'll uh, be finding out what the future of business is, what type of tech and tools we're going to be using uh, down the road. It's pretty, pretty interesting stuff. And we'll also be uh, talking sports tech as well. There's a soccer team or a few soccer teams uh, uh, around that are actually using smart glasses to help with their soccer game, improving their skills. It actually uh, looks uh, right at uh, the other player's uh, eye line, and that's pretty interesting uh, stuff uh, as well. And there's a, a new app in town. You've uh, looked for someone to help you around the house and wish you could just uh, call on a neighbor. Well, there's an app for that, and we'll uh, give you the lowdown on that uh, too. Lots in the, the tech news uh, this week, if you've uh, been following that. Uh, kind of a, a fun one. Uh, I don't know if uh, you saw this one online or Facebook. Jenny McCarthy, the actress and uh, avid anti-vaxxer, I think used to be uh, married to Jim Carrey and uh, now is married to Donnie Wahlberg. Well, uh, she thought her home was haunted. Listen to the uh, security footage that she posted online. Donnie? Donnie? Someone just played the piano. (laughs) Someone just played the piano. Well, it turns out uh, that no, her home isn't haunted. Uh, What you just heard there was uh, a Google Home smart speaker basically booting up. (laughs) Well, uh, I guess she had never heard it boot up before. Maybe she didn't even know she had one. she, uh, again, uh, posted uh, her security home footage uh, to the internet uh, to let everyone know that her home was haunted. A lot of people are even saying that uh, they saw little ghostly apparitions uh, in the video as well. Well, now we know that's uh, not true because uh, Google Home uh, hopefully isn't haunting uh, our uh, houses. If you're a, a big retro fan, uh, you might uh, be familiar with some of the uh, launches of the Nintendo uh, NES Classic and the Nintendo uh, Super Nintendo uh, Mini. Uh, They've uh, been sold out uh, fairly quickly every time they uh, get a new batch in. They typically go for about uh, 80 bucks and uh, connect to your regular uh, high-definition TV, and they come bundled typically with about 30 games. Well, looks like uh, Commodore is getting in on the action as well. Do you remember the Commodore 64? Well, a lot of us uh, had those uh, computers. Well, they're coming out with the uh, the C64 Mini. It's already uh, shipped in Europe, but it will be coming to North America on October 9th. You can pre-order uh, one of these little guys for 70 bucks. It's half the size of the uh, original version, and it comes uh, pre-installed with uh, a bunch of licensed uh, games, uh, everything from... Mission 2, Boulder Dash. Remember Boulder Dash? Jumpman, Pit Stop 2, and Speedball 2, Brutal Deluxe. Pretty cool. Uh, it has two USB ports on the side. It comes with a game controller, as I had mentioned. Uh, you can hook up uh, additional controllers uh, through the USB ports, uh, even a keyboard uh, as well, because uh, you can actually run the uh, the Commodore operating system on it uh, as well. Maybe uh, program some uh, new Commodore 64 games. How much memory? 64K. Oh, back then that was a lot. Also uh, in the tech news, Hyperloop. This is the uh, futuristic uh, train system that uh, is being uh, pushed by Elon Musk. They've uh, actually been doing a competition 
to uh, see who can come up with the uh, the fastest cars or pods uh, in a special test track that's uh, been set up. And it looks like uh, a bunch of engineering students from Munich, Germany uh, are uh, in the lead right now or have won. They uh, were able to get this pod in this, uh, in this loop, Hyperloop, to hit 457 kilometers an hour. That's on a 1.2 kilometer test track. I don't know how that works. Like <laughs> if you can get up to almost 500 kilometers an hour in a 1.2 kilometer test track, you got to have some pretty good brakes on <laughs> that thing. Uh, but they say that uh, pods uh, could eventually travel in these special uh, air tight tunnels at speeds in excess of a thousand kilometers uh, an hour. So uh, quite amazing. It'd be nice to see some of these things uh, actually built uh, in our future. Give uh, airplane travel uh, a run for its uh, money. Now, uh, also in the news here, we're talking about news here on Get Connected. Facebook is uh, looking to launch their own high-speed satellite broadband network. We uh, talked about this uh, a few weeks ago on uh, Get Connected. Uh, SpaceX, another Elon Musk (laughs) company, uh, they're uh, looking at launching a uh, low-Earth orbit satellite network to deliver broadband internet around the world. Uh, I think uh, in, um, in SpaceX's uh, side there, they're looking to launch over 4,000 satellites. Well, Facebook now is uh, looking to get in on that action uh, as well. And uh, they're going to be doing uh, some uh, test launches to see what they can uh, basically come up with uh, as well. And so what's interesting about this is that uh, satellite internet's been around for a number of years now. But the ones that they have going uh, at the moment are really high up in orbit, I think up above 35,000 kilometers. And so that's cool, but there's a lot of latency. It takes a long time uh, for the internet uh, to uh, get down and, uh, uh, you know, power your different devices uh, where these low earth uh, orbit satellites would be able to provide gigabit internet services, uh, much like we're getting with our, our cable and telephone companies now. Uh, with very low latency. So uh, it would be very, very uh, usable. Uh, Looking forward to seeing that in the next uh, few years, uh, if that can come to fruition. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. Wouldn't it be nice if uh, you needed something done around the house and there was an app that would match you up with uh, maybe one of your neighbors for a small price? Well, there is now, and it's called Adam Helps. On the line, we've got Adam McLeod, uh, the man behind Adam Helps. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Hey, thanks for having me. So tell us about your app. I found this fascinating. You know, there's uh, a lot of, uh, you know, different types of apps out that can line you up with handymen and mechanics. Yours is a little bit different in that it tries to match you up with uh, maybe a neighbor or someone very local. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you kind of nailed it there. Um, I'm from a small town, and I remember growing up, we used to always know who in the neighborhood would come and do your lawn or who might help you with a certain task or a small repair or something like that. But because of urban density and, and the fact that we're kind of living on top of each other now, we don't always know who's around us. And yet there's a lot of skilled labor um, and people looking to make some money on the side who would be willing to help you. But how would you know that they're there? Um, and so I was living actually in the same condo building in, in downtown Toronto. And I realized that, you know, I think I'm friendly and helpful, but I didn't actually know who was around me. And I thought, how would the person on the fifth floor know that I would help them walk their dog on the weekend or watch their place while they're gone on vacation or something like that? And I noticed that that didn't exist in the market. So we set out to build it. And that's what's turned into Adam Health today. <laughs> 
So run our listeners uh, through how it uh, how it works. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty simple concept. It's basically, uh, you once you log on, you can identify somebody who's looking to do work for other people, and you can set out a profile that says, I'm interested in doing dog walking or... Um, or small repairs or to help somebody move. Um, or you can be somebody who's looking to post jobs. So maybe you're somebody who needs their lawn done or who needs some of those services. And you build a profile based on that identification, and you can also be both. Um, and then based on that, you're either kind of generally looking for jobs if you're a helper, um, or you're going to be posting jobs if you're a job owner. Um, so you would kind of think of it in terms of like, I don't want to say like a modern Kijiji, but you're, you're just setting up the details of the task if you're a job owner. So I, I need somebody to walk my dog, Billy, for $20 an hour, Monday through Wednesday at this time. Um, and then you can either send that message out to people in your area, because um, we have a map that shows geolocation, so you can see that there's a dog walker 50 meters away from you or 100 meters away from you. Um, or you can post the job and wait for responses and then go through the most appropriate or the best profile and, and ask that person to do the work for you. Um, and what we love about it is that it really, the differentiator is that it's really empowering the user to make their own decisions about who they want to be doing work with them or for them. Um, or if you're a helper, you get to decide the exact jobs you want to do. We're not sending some random person to your house. We're not, we're not sending a, a third party company to your house. These are your neighbors. These are the people in your community that live around you, that are close to you, um, that are just looking to help you out for a couple extra dollars on the side. So this could be anything from mowing your lawn to uh, helping you fix your deck? Yeah, we're really looking at those sort of like those jobs where sometimes you just need an extra set of hands um, or if it's something that you don't really want to do. Um, so it can be really those small kind of tasks like do the weaving in the yard or um, do a small repair or stain the deck or help me paint a room. Or, for example, me, you know, I posted many jobs on the app and I'm a pretty strong guy, but I can't lift a queen mattress out of my place by myself. So when I got a new mattress, I needed help to do that. So sometimes you just need somebody else for those types of things as well. Um, so it's really, we're not looking for like, I need somebody to rebuild my home or to renovate my entire um, basement. It's not really that scope of work. It's really the neighborly friendly, hey, you know, you got an extra couple hours, can you come help me with whatever random task this is. We've seen people, I need help build a tramp, building a trampoline or rolling out a pool cover or cleaning out my crowded garage or basement or helping me organize my basement. Um, so just those types of tasks that can be tedious, but you just need some extra help sometimes. That's really what we're finding has been the core use of the app so far, which we're delighted about because it's, it's just perfect. It's also great for people with physical disabilities. Oh, I saw somebody who had their, he twisted his knee playing soccer um, and needed help walking his dog every day. And, and so that was really helpful and, and made us feel good about the work we're doing as well. So if you've been recently injured or have some issues, it's a great way to have affordable help um, that's close to you that can get things done. I could get someone to help me build my IKEA furniture. Yes. That is a very popular task as well. Um, <laughs> in the summer, we saw in the summer we saw a lot of barbecues because assembling a barbecue you like feels like you need a PhD to do it sometimes. Um, so building things, building IKEA furniture, um, you know that's perfect because you know I had a flood in my condo in the fall and I had to replace everything. Um, and I got a lot of things delivered from Wayfair and, and Ikea and it was hard. I couldn't do it myself because you need, they're too big, the furniture pieces, right? So you need somebody to hold this while you screw that and unbolt this. 
Um, so that was a perfect use for the app in that example, too. And the cool thing is that you set the term. I mean, all, all of these other kind of home services competitors, I guess, um, they set the prices and they have commission and it's really expensive um, to get that work done. It's a different offering than what we offer because in, in our case, we believe that people like, you know, you and I know how much you should generally be paying somebody per hour um, to do a job. And we do provide those recommendations, but we empower the user to say, hey, if you think your place is $20 an hour to clean it, do it. If it's like it needs some real help and it's $25 an hour, then, then post it for that and see who's willing to do the work for that amount and, and negotiate as much yourself. The truth is we're always negotiating. We're negotiating, you know, if you're on a dating site, I heard you guys talking about Tinder last, on the last episode, you're, you're always negotiating the terms of when you're going to meet somebody. Do you want to meet them in a public place? Do you have them in your home? Like, what are the terms there? And that's what we've done. We've just created the platform for people. You know what you need to get done. You post the terms. You post the hours. And you will find somebody in your area to do it for that amount. Um, so it's super flexible, it's user-friendly, we're not taking a cut, and it's all about community building and helping people um, get to know their neighbors again. We're talking with Adam McLeod, the man behind Adam Helps, a free app that uses geolocation to match people with household jobs they need help with to people nearby who are able to assist. What cities are we looking at right now? Well, we launched our app in Toronto in the fall of last year, and uh, once we surpassed 10,000 users, we expanded to Calgary. We still consider ourselves to be in our early days as a startup, just having launched within the last year. Um, so that's where we're finding the concentration of our users right now in Toronto and Calgary. We wanted to see how the app would perform in two major cities, but cities that were quite different demographically in terms of the way that they're built and their layout and, and that type of thing. Um, the app is growing organically, and because it's neighbor and peer-to-peer, we don't actually have to say that we're officially in this city like, like an Uber or something else would have to do um, because really wherever there are people who download the app, y'all can make it work yourselves, right? Um, but the concentrations that we're seeing are so far definitely Toronto um, with over 10,000 active users and, and in Calgary as well. We just launched there a few weeks ago, um, which we're really excited about because it seems to be a concept that looks like it's going to work uh, hopefully in many other cities, but so far those are the two that we've targeted. Adam, how do you make money? That's a good question. I mean, if we don't take commission and it's free to download and we don't have a service fee, then, then how do I pay my rent every month? Um, and, and I do, just barely. No, but, um, you know, it's a freemium model. And we aren't really – if you think of something like a Let Go or a Tinder or Grinder, they didn't make money for years. Their idea was to build something that mattered first, secure your users, get that base, and then look for ways to monetize afterwards. And they did so by introducing Tinder Plus, Grinder Extra, um, and some are still building their base. Like, I think Let Go, which is the app to sell you things, I believe is still entirely free. And yet they raised in their first round like $200 million in funding without a single plan on how to make a dollar of it back, at least nothing that was disclosed. So for us, what we're looking at in the future are having things like add-ons and insurance add-ons so that you can insure any task. Um, an ability to have a premium profile, so a profile that stands out or perhaps has a picture or resumes or something, something to that effect. Um, and we're also looking at the potential of expanding it to what I would call paraprofessional services because I'm always thinking, like, what could people use it for? Wouldn't it be great if I could find, like, a hairdresser in my neighborhood and maybe I could go to their place 
and get my hair done or an esthetician or a photographer. So maybe those kind of paraprofessionals might want to, you know, pay to be on the app to, to promote their business um, to people that are in their area. So those are all options. But the truth is, we love design thinking. We love the feedback loop, build, measure, learn. So our users and the people who are on the app will dictate what they love and what they want. And then that will be what guides us towards the best way for us to monetize. But our investors believe in the idea. They love the idea of building communities. Um, so we're not in any rush to start charging people, you know, any fees to be on the app. We just want to see it grow and we want to see it help people right now. That's Adam McLeod from the app Adam Helps, a free app that uses geolocation to match people with household jobs they need help with to people nearby who are able to assist. Thanks for joining us today, Adam. Thanks for having me, Mike. It was a pleasure. When we come back from the break, still more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Uh, We'll be chatting about the uh, future of technology in uh, business uh, and also, of course, uh, our app of the week and uh, an interesting uh, segment on smart eyeglasses being worn uh, by a soccer team to uh, improve their skills. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You're back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here in studio. Let's talk sports technology, some interesting stuff coming out of uh, the U.S. The New York Red Bulls are now using uh, eye-tracking technology. On the line, we've got our tech sports expert, Mandy Kovacs from IT World Canada. Thanks for joining us, Mandy. Hello, thank you for having me. Eye-tracking technology, how could this possibly help their soccer game? Yeah, it's becoming a really big deal now in sports. Um, So we're talking about the New York Red Bulls. They're an MLS team, and they've started using eye-tracking technology uh, with a company called Toby Pro Insights. Uh, Again, they're based in the U.S., and I had a chance to talk with one of their research directors, and I had a chance to talk with um, Scott Levine, who's the goaltender of the Red Bulls. And, yeah, so essentially the two uh, partnered together to kind of research and look at how eye-tracking technology could help the team and it had had really good results uh, in, I guess, the time that they've had it so far. Um, it's essentially their glasses that the, that the players wear, and um, the eye tracking allows coaches and trainers to literally see things from the player's perspective. Uh, so it can reveal things like different subconscious and instinctive patterns or activities uh, that a player does when they're playing, uh, and then they can use this technology and the research that they gain from it um, to really adapt, fix, or even fine-tune certain skills. Um, they can kind of gather enough data to um, look at how players can improve. Like, for example, during penalty kicks, um, using these eye-tracking glasses, they found that players who are taking the kick spend about 45% of their time looking at the goalkeeper, while only 37% of the time was spent looking at the goal area in general, and only 16% was actually spent looking at the ball. So if you can kind of nail stats down like that, um, you can help your goaltender know where to look and where to maybe expect the shot to go. You can tell players to maybe avoid looking in certain areas um, that they may be targeting the ball to kind of throw off their opponents. Like, there's a whole wealth of, of data that can be gleaned from this that can really improve uh, any sport player. I imagine they couldn't wear, wear this technology while there, an actual game was going on. No, definitely not. This was used during um, a player's uh, practice drills. That's, uh, it's fascinating. I imagine um, uh, this would be fairly expensive technology. 
Uh, fairly expensive. I mean, I think they're less expensive than if you remember uh, the Google Glasses that came out a few years ago and just kind of flopped. Uh, so it's somewhere in between that area. I don't have the exact price, unfortunately, but you would also probably have to pay for uh, the actual data and analytics platform as well. Um, but it is cheap enough that there was a Swedish ice hockey team that actually incorporated this technology into its training program as well. Uh, so it can't be, <laughs> you know, overly expensive. Fascinating stuff. We're talking with Maddie Kovacs uh, over at IT World Canada about eye tracking technology being used in sports to help uh, players with uh, their, their skill set. Thanks for joining us today, Maddie. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We come back from the break. More tech to talk here on Get Connected. Get Connected is brought to you by London Drugs here in the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Well, if you are uh, trying to get your small business up and going, one of the things that you have to uh, look into, obviously, is technology. Technology helps you be more productive and hopefully a little more profitable. To help us uh, understand uh, some of the challenges that uh, businesses go through, we've uh, got a great guest online. His name is Amit Baga. He is a client technologist uh, over at Dell uh, here in Canada. Thanks for joining us, Amit. Yeah, thank you for having me. So what, what are some of the challenges uh, small businesses face when they're uh, you know, trying to choose their, uh, their technology, do you find? To get up well, what we're seeing uh, nowadays is a dramatic pace of uh, technology is ever improving. Uh, you know, we're seeing technology advancements in capability, bandwidth, mobility. Uh, you know, it's forever changing how we're working, and it really affects small businesses. Uh, you know, because they are competing with the big guys out there that are trying to att- attract talent, um, and we're seeing a huge uh, workforce transformation out in the uh, in the sort of uh, business world, you know, customers are demanding, you know, the same type of technology that they have in their personal home computers, they want them in where they're working. So they're actually choosing where they're working um, based on the technology that is being provided. I, you know, I have my own small business and, uh, you know, it's, it is, and I'm a tech guy, but it's still a challenge trying to, to choose all the right uh, equipment and, and services. Uh, do you have any recommendations for small businesses, how they can get started? Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, you know, we do have a small business central uh, on Dell.com where you can get some information about uh, Dell products and how they, uh, you know, interchange with small business from our end-to-end sort of portfolio. Uh, you know, my specialty is end-user uh, client technology, so, you know, your laptops, desktops, as well as our rugged workstations. Um, but, you know, the first thing to, to look at is uh, to find best where your, your technology fits in their workplace is, you know, what type of, uh, you know, uh, customer that you are looking to uh, uh, reach out to, um, as well as your work styles. You know, we're finding that a lot of customers have a very segmented types of work styles, whether they be an on-the-go uh, professional or a quarter warrior, you know, going in and out of, you know, uh, meetings from business to business. Um, as well, you know, if you're working in harsh environments, you're going to want a PC that, you know, can withstand a bump and a bruise or maybe some water. Um, so it really depends on what type of work style you are, and, you know, Dell has a large portfolio to meet each of those work styles. I guess one thing, uh, you know, I, again, owning my own small business and uh, knowing a lot of uh, small business owners, uh, cost always comes uh, in, into play. What are, you, what are your thoughts there? I, I found when I first started my, uh, my business, uh, obviously, budgets and costs were a huge factor, and I think in some cases we kind of cheaped out on uh, our original technology, but that's not always the best way to go, is it? 
Yeah, and and really, you know, when we start looking at the cost, a lot of customers, you know, you know they first look at, you know, the sheer cost of the actual system. Um, but there's also also a lot of costs that are you know around that system. You know, uh, you know how much is it going to cost to service that machine after one year, two year, three year, maybe five years? You know, uh, how's the reliability of that system? Is it you know uh, capable to be you know upgraded or even repaired on site? Um, and you know, what are the other extended service offerings that I need to you know have my system up and running, as well as the accessories and ecosystem around there? So, you know, the sheer PC cost is just a sliver of what the total cost of ownership is with a PC. Um, so, you know, you do have to evaluate, you know, everything else around that box as well, including services and support um, along with that. It's a it's an excellent point, and you know the reason why I you know, wanted to bring you on the show is that uh, again back in the early days uh, we cheaped out on a, a bunch of uh, our original gears you know laptops for the the staff, uh, and I, I swear those most of those laptops were pretty well dust uh, you know within two years, and you know we did buy a few Dells uh, at the time as well, including one for myself. Uh, some of those Dells, and you know that's going back you know eight years, seven eight years. Uh, we're still using in some capacity. I mean, we were able to upgrade them uh, along the way, and they just kept going and going. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, when we see uh, technology, you know, we try to build the best system uh, that's possible, uh, you know, to the market and the technology that's uh, available to us uh, with our technology partners like uh, Intel, AMD, NVIDIA. Um, but, you know, when we do design these products, a lot of the design comes out of customer feedback, you know, uh, we try to build, uh, you know, devices and next generation devices on, you know, what we're seeing in the industry. But not only that, we're looking at, you know, uh, what's working, what's not working, and taking that feedback back to, uh, you know, Dell headquarters and trying to design better products, um, you know, to essentially enhance productivity, not for, you know, just one year, but, you know, throughout the life cycle of what a customer goes through. Uh, you know, recently uh, we've had a chance to try out some of the, the newer um, the Dell notebooks. Uh, tell us about uh, the, the Latitude line. Uh, we, I think we tried out the, the 7390. Yeah, so the Latitude line, you know, uh, being legacy uh, Dell product, you know, it is a you know, tried and tested type of uh, product that Dell has from a Latitude line. It's their mobility line. Um, but we've now expanded it into a new type of form factor, which is a two-in-one um, they are offered in a, a detachable as well as a convertible. Uh, you know, I believe you had the privilege to, uh, you know, test out that 7392 in one. Uh, and that is essentially a great, a, a, you know, the best of both worlds when you start looking at a, a notebook, um, but also flips around to have a, uh, a tablet-type experience. And why we're seeing a, a big sort of exponential growth in that type of market is a lot of customers are getting used to Windows 10, um, they are bringing in uh, touch-enabled applications, and they really need that tablet interface when they are uh, consuming data. Um, but when they are, you know, producing data, they want that regular sort of keyboard feel that they're used to, like a notebook. Um, so we're seeing a lot of small businesses as well as larger businesses look at this two-in-one as an alternative, you know, um, allowing, you know, your, your end users that are very familiar with a clamshell type of device to use that. Um, but, you know, there are, there are a lot of younger generations that are coming up that kind of want that tablet interface, and it allows you to sort of have that, you know, um, laptop that has the ability to sort of meet both uh, demands of a tablet as well as a notebook. What about the whole security uh, aspect? Uh, you know, I, I look at my business, and, you know, we're dealing with a lot of sensitive information when it comes to customers and even some of our financials. Uh, what should customers uh, look for uh, in, in their gear to, to have the best security? Yeah, so when 
Security is very critical to this workforce transformation. You know, when we start looking at studies that are out there for, for security breaches, you know, we've discovered that 95 of the breaches are actually uh, occur right at the endpoint. So you want to make sure that that PC that you're getting in the hands of your end user is really secure. Um, so, you know, your, our Dell PCs, you know, from a, uh, a very hardened BIOS, um, you know, we have TPM discrete chips for uh, encryption. Um, as well, you know, along with our portfolio, um, Dell has a very vast portfolio within the security uh, landscape. You know, um, with our acquisition of uh, EMC and that uh, sort of um, uh, portfolio of RSA, uh, VMware AirWatch, as well as SecureWorks, um, gives us a lot of intelligence uh, within the security uh, landscape. So you uh, talked a lot about security there. Um, how how easy or difficult is it to have that all working uh, on on your gear? Uh, not very difficult at all. You know, uh, when you start looking at the Dell security portfolio um, specifically, you know, our Dell encryption allows you to uh, manage all your encryption um, across uh, uh, your systems on one pane of glass. Um, you know, we have our endpoint security suite, which will you know manage uh, anti malware. And those are all available, you know, uh, right available, right on a, a Dell system uh, when you do purchase it, as well as after point of sale. And, it, you know, the great thing about our, our Dell technology in terms of security, um, you know, we are hardware agnostic. So, you know, if you are using, you know, a, another PC manufacturer or a white box, um, you can definitely pop on our Dell security on that type of platform as well. What do you see uh, in in the future uh, as far as uh, work? You know, it's been a, a huge change uh, over the fa- past five, ten years, uh, especially with a lot of the millennials coming uh, into the uh, workforce. Uh, what are you seeing as far as some of the technologies and, and trends and patterns happening uh, in the years to come? Yes, we're seeing. Yeah, so we're seeing a lot of disruptive technologies come into play. Um, you know, as I said, a lot of personal type technologies coming into the workplace. Um, what I'm seeing is a, a disruptive sort of work desk. Uh, you know, uh, you're starting to see extended realities come into the mainstream sort of work play. Um, you know, previously, you know, you have a keyboard, a mouse, a screen to get to the job done. Now we're looking at, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, the ability to put on a headset and have, you know, unlimited screenscape in front of you, um, the ability to touch that aspect and actually, you know, walk through a, uh, you know, a mock house or a, a mock prototype of a product. So we're seeing a lot of evolution in those technologies um, uh, with regards to uh, extended realities. How, how are you blending all of this uh, with, with mobile? I mean, we're so mobile dependent now with our, our smartphones. Uh, we carry around them everywhere. I do a lot of work uh, on mine when I'm taking uh, the train in for commutes. How does that all blend in with, uh, you know, your desktop or laptop? That's a, that's, that's a great point. You know, when we start looking at, you know, how do we, how do we continue that productivity? You know, if you're not in front of a computer or, or a larger screen, how do you, how do you use your, your phone, your tablet, um, or the device that uh, that's in front of you, you know, uh, that's the reason why you know with the Dell acquisition of, uh, of EMC and VMware, you know, VMware has a, a great technology uh, within it, which is called AirWatch, and uh, uh, Workspace One powered by AirWatch is a great ability to essentially leverage any type of device anywhere, any application. Um, so that allows you to have that conti- continuity of you know leveraging your PC. And then using that same exact application right onto your uh, mobile device. And again, hardware agnostic. So it doesn't matter if you're using an iPhone or an Android system. 
you know, you have that application and, and connection at all times. Talking with uh, Amit Baga from Dell, all about uh, tech in business and the future of that. Thanks for joining us today. Where can people find out more information about uh, all the stuff we've been talking about, Amit? Yeah, you can look at uh, Small Business Central on Dell.com. That's the, the easiest place to, uh, to, to find that information. Thanks, Amit. Yeah, no problem. Thanks again, Mike. When we come back from the break, it's App of the Week time. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here again with Graham Williams. Don't forget to listen to our sister show. It's called The App Show. It's on every Sunday on CKNW 980. It's broadcast across the Chorus Radio Network right across Western Canada. So check your local station. Uh, in Vancouver here, it's uh, 10 in the morning till 11, basically the same time as uh, Get Connected here. And it's an awesome show. We talk about all the latest and greatest apps for your smartphone. So whether you're an iPhone user uh, or Android, if you've got a smart TV, we cover all the best uh, apps uh, that uh, are out there. Game apps, social media apps, everything. And it's it's cool. And we also have uh, Hot 5 countdowns. And uh, we talk about what's streaming on some of the streaming services like Netflix and Crave TV. Speaking of apps, we've got Graham here. He's going to give us an app of the week. What do you got? So our app of the week this week is one called Soul Artists. And this is kind of a cool one um, if you are a performing artist, but it's also a cool one if you wanted to ever book somebody uh, to perform at an event for you. And so these artists would include people, you know, singers, dancers, jugglers, fire performers. I've got a couple of friends who are our fire performers in the Vancouver community. My friend Justin Hay and my friend Barbara Beale. They're absolutely fantastic uh, poi spinners or fire performers. And the idea here is that you can discover and book artists anywhere in the world. You can book them directly through the app. And if you are an artist, you can actually register what it is that you do and get booked for stuff. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah. So um, the the model here, from what I'm understanding, is that as an artist, um, basically you pay a commission on your first uh, booking of, I think it's something like 20%, and then it goes down to, I think, 15% after that, which I think is fairly reasonable for you know a talent agent to take for. Um, and uh, essentially, you can throw your stuff up on there through videos, pictures, a description of what it is that you do, and uh, get booked on more gigs. So that app is Soul Artists. Uh, if you've ever wanted to book somebody cool and weird and neat for, uh, again, for like a birthday party or a corporate event, it's a, it's a cool app. And if you do something cool, it's a cool way to get booked. Soul artist. Soul artists, plural. Here's your chance to make some money. Right? <laughs> I juggle chainsaws personally. Not on. I keep them off, but I don't. That's a that's a lie. You're a weird dude. <laughs> that's all the time we have left here on Get Connected. I want to thank Graham Williams uh, for helping me put the show together. It's Mike and Graham logging off. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.